the White House, the Congress, the prospect of change. The importance of each and every vote. Protect and to preserve our voting system. From the ACLU, this is At the Polls, a special mini-series on, you guessed it, voting. I'm Molly McGrath, a voting rights lawyer and organizer, and your host for this series. The right to vote of all of our young people belongs to you. The machinery of democracy should work for everyone everywhere. This week, we'll be answering the question, how might changes at the Postal Service impact the election? And stay tuned till the end of this episode, where we'll be answering questions from you, our listeners. So it's no secret that the Postal Service has been under attack. The battle over mail-in voting is heating up. Our Postal Service is in chaos. A politically motivated attack on the efficiency of the Postal Service. We've all heard the stories. Earlier this year, Donald Trump appointed one of his supporters to serve as Postmaster General. Then, just a few months from the election, that appointee, Louis DeJoy, ordered changes to how the Postal Service operates. And here's the problem. It appears that those changes were politically motivated in hopes to impact our vote-by-mail system. On Friday, we learned that the U.S. Postal Service sent letters to more than 40 states warning that it cannot guarantee that all ballots cast by mail for the November election will arrive in time to be counted. Before we get into that, let's get a little background on the Postal Service. I spoke with Bobby Hoffman, a friend and coworker of mine who also works on voting rights campaigns. Hi, Bobby. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Molly. I'm especially excited to have you as a guest talking about this issue because you have a personal connection with the post office. I do have a personal connection to the post office. Myself and a lot of my family have worked at the post office. Uh, my mom is pretty close to retiring from the post office. She started as a clerk, became a letter carrier, was a supervisor, and is now a postmaster of a local post office in Indiana. Uh, my uncle Jim is a retired letter carrier. My sister spent a summer as a clerk at the post office. And uh, I was even fortunate enough to work as a letter carrier for a summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Bobby, do you have like a favorite letter carrier story? So I only did it for one summer. But I can tell you that dogs really do have an issue with letter carriers. One time I was going up to a home to put a letter in the mailbox, which was on the house. And I see this giant boxer dog staring at me. And as soon as I open up the mailbox, it starts running and jumps right through the screen door. And the dog was so startled that it made it through the screen door that it just kind of like tucked its tail between its legs and ran back inside the house. Uh, but that was probably the most terrifying moment I had while delivering mail. So this service definitely runs in your family. And I need to know what happened to your uniform after you stopped? Well, I was just a casual letter carrier. So sadly, I did not get one of the cool uniforms. I was only given a hat and a badge to wear to let folks know that I was with the post office. Bobby, you didn't even have a uniform and you almost got a dog bite. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> This is a beloved institution. Can you tell us a little bit about the history? Why is the post office such an essential service and how did it come to be? Yeah, so the post office was formed in 1775, a year before the Declaration of Independence. It was really formed to provide a service 
and tie the country together. It was incredibly important because at a time where individuals in the United States of America viewed themselves more uh, attached to their state, this gave individuals a connection to individuals throughout the country and to different states. At a time where the country was just getting started, there was a presence of the federal government in every community, and there was an opportunity for every individual to interact with their federal government. Here's a good place to share some additional Postal Service facts. One, the Postal Service not only predates the Constitution, but it's also written into it. So it's part of the very fabric of our nation. Two, the Postal Service must follow what's called a universal service obligation. This means it's required to deliver and provide quality services to everyone in America, no matter where they live or who they are. Three, the current Postal Service employs over 600,000 people, meaning only Amazon and Walmart employ more people than the U.S. Postal Service. Last, the Postal Service has over 160 million different points of delivery. I repeat, 160 million. Bobby, in a lot of the, the reporting that we saw over the summer and, and into this early fall were reports about high-value mail sorting machines being taken out of facilities or workers being banned from making extra trips in order to ensure that some of this mail could be processed on time. And a lot of these changes are being made by the Postmaster General, which is a position I think that a lot of us didn't even you know, know existed until we heard about some of these changes and kind of wondering who's in charge here. So who is the Postmaster General in general? What, what is this position? How are they selected? So the Postmaster General is the chief executive for the United States Post Office. The Postmaster General is responsible for kind of managing and directing the day-to-day -day operations of the Postal Service. Uh, the current uh, Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, unlike his three predecessors, DeJoy was not a career employee and was viewed as many as partisan uh, due to FEC reports showing that he had donated a large amount of sums of money to the Republican Party. In August, DeJoy testified before Congress and talked about some of these changes that had been put in place at the USPS. And it seems like we're talking about two different buckets here. One is changes that took place already up until August at that hearing, and then any future changes in removal of machines. And can you talk about those two pieces and what, what DeJoy said and said that they have planned? Sure. So... Um, you know, leading up to the hearing in Congress and what led to the hearing was the joy that had ordered uh, limitations on overtime, limiting second trips from postal workers in order to ensure that mail was delivered in a timely fashion, and then also removed roughly 10% of mail sorting machines and facilities across the country. If you think the standalone blue mailboxes are vanishing, it's not your imagination. The U.S. Postal Service said it removed dozens of post office boxes. So after those changes came to light and concerns grew among the public, DeJoy issued a statement saying that he was going to suspend those actions. However, when being placed in front of Congress, being asked questions, he did not commit to placing, especially the mail sorting machines, back into facilities that had already previously been removed. Will you be bringing back any mail sorting machines? There's no intention to do that. They're not needed. I got to speak with Joyce Harris, a current employee of the Postal Service 
and a member of the American Postal Workers Union about what she's seeing. Hi, Joyce. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to At The Polls. Hi, everyone. My name is Joyce Harris. I'm a um, mail processing clerk at the U.S. Postal Service in Washington, D.C. Okay, I've been with the Postal Service for going on 32 years. I've started my career at a, like the, at an airport where they're doing processing mail that comes off of the plane, planes and stuff. And then I was in automation where they do it on the machines and stuff for 23 years. I just left that operation where I'm in the priority operation now where the sacks and medicine and all that stuff comes through. That's where I'm currently working now. Joyce, so I want to talk a little bit about some of the recent reports that we see. And I think it's, you know, it's troubling for all of us. The The post office, USPS, is one of the most beloved institutions that has the highest, you know, approval rating in the 80s, 90s of any federal agency. And we're seeing, you know, the impact of defunding, you know, hearing reports of sorting machines being taken out of facilities. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it looks like on the ground? Well, in our facility, they have taken some machines offline. If we had like 10 or nine um, delivery barcode sorters, they took maybe like four of them offline where they took the front part of the machines apart. The sad part of the problem, the problems that we're having is that a lot of the mail is left behind. And I mean a lot. Where there is the prescriptions and stuff because right now our mail volume is just like Christmas. So we have plenty of mail, but the mail is left behind because the trucks are instructed to leave as scheduled. So they leave mail there. So who told the trucks to leave? Well, they have to go by what management is telling them. I guess it is, it's coming from up ahead because um, we, we've never done it before. Okay, so since Louis DeJoy became Postmaster General in June, he made post offices, removed mail sorting machines, told mail workers that they could no longer work overtime to finish getting the mail out and also ordered trucks to leave at exact times, regardless of whether the mail they were supposed to carry had been sorted or not. But this podcast is about voting. So let's talk about the post office's history in helping people vote. Bobby? So voting by mail was originally became really popularized uh, during the Civil War for members of the Union. So soldiers were able to cast a ballot by mail and send it back. It was also really important during World War I and World War II uh, to ensure that voters abroad, particularly soldiers, were able to cast a ballot. You know, fast forwarding to modern history, uh, we're seeing that this is a very, very common method of voting even when there isn't a pandemic. Um, in the 2016 election, nearly 24% of voters cast a ballot that was mailed to them. So it's incredibly important. What we've seen in some polling so far is that 60% of the nation is really interested in either casting their ballot by mail or going in and casting a ballot early in person. Bobby, so as much as we've seen a lot of these really alarming reports about the post office, the bottom line is that we are going to have an election and a lot of people, including myself, are going to vote by mail. And what would you tell listeners uh, who plan to vote by mail about the USPS and about this institution that we love and, and their ability to help us with this election? So I would start with saying that uh, postal workers themselves are you know, incredibly interested in making sure that this functions correctly for, for all voters and want to ensure that everyone's ballot is delivered and counted. So in 2016, 137 million people uh, voted in the United States. 
Um, if every single one of those individuals were able uh, to cast an absentee ballot and cast that ballot by mail on the same exact day, that's still not even as much uh, mail that goes through the post office in one day during Christmas season. The post office processes nearly 500 million pieces of mail every single day uh, throughout the year and uh, more than 3 billion pieces uh, of mail in a week during Christmas. I understand the post office receives thousands of these letters every year. Your Honor, every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Joyce, I was just thinking, you know, a lot of the listeners here are going to be voting by mail. And what's the most important thing that they could do? Is it to request their ballot early and mail this in early so the USPS isn't getting a rush of ballots later? What's the advice that you would give to voters? Yes, they, they can mail in early and they can also drop the mail off. We're going to have drop boxes too. They can just, they can mail them in. They can, we can have drop boxes by, beside the post offices and stuff also where they can just come by and drop them in. We'll get them. We will definitely get them. But yes, if you're going to mail them in, I do suggest you do it as soon as you can, as soon as possible. After our interview with Joyce, we got more good news. A federal judge in Washington state agreed to temporarily block operational changes within the United States Postal Service. The judge described Postmaster DeJoy's changes as a politically motivated attack on the efficiency of the Postal Service. So what can we all do now? First, we can vote with confidence. Voting by mail is secure and safe. We've been doing it in this country since the Civil War. And Bobby and Joyce both tell us that the Postal Service's capacity to deliver mail far exceeds the demands of the election, simply based on the volume of mail that the Postal Service is accustomed to handling every single year during the holiday season. So the people who work for the Postal Service have our back, and we need to make sure that we have theirs. Call your senator and demand action. Late this summer, the House passed full funding for the Postal Service, but so far, the Senate has failed to act. Now, with so many of us voting by mail this year, and many of us for the very first time, a lot of our listeners have questions. Here's a few. My name is uh, Betty, and I live in Bronx, New York, and I signed up for a mail-in ballot. I'm a senior citizen, but I want to know, even though I signed up for a mail-in ballot, am I allowed to vote early? Just to vote early instead of, uh, do I have that choice to vote early instead of doing the mail-in? We're getting a lot of questions like this from voters in different states, folks who already requested an absentee or vote-by-mail ballot and are now wondering about voting in person. If you have requested your mail ballot and you're thinking about changing your mind, make sure that you know the process in your state. And it's different from state to state. So, for example, in Virginia, right now, if you had requested a ballot by mail but now want to vote in person, Unless you bring your mail ballot with you, you would need to vote a provisional ballot. And if we can, we want to avoid provisional ballots because it adds a whole other verification step that could create delays. So when you're making your voting plan, our goal is to vote as soon as possible, but also to make sure that we can vote a regular ballot if we can. And I can't believe I need to say this, but don't listen to the president. Vote only one time. Hello. I just was wondering a question of how important it would be for us to hand deliver our mail-in ballot to the county clerk's office versus just dropping it in the mailbox. 
As voters, we have more choices than ever this year for a voting plan that works for us. When you're making your plan and wondering how to return your completed ballot back to election officials, make sure that you know the deadline in your state for the ballot to arrive back to election officials. And these are different from state to state. Some of these deadlines require ballots to arrive back and be in the hands of election officials on election day, while other states have deadlines after election day as long as that ballot is postmarked on or before election day. So whatever the deadline is in your state, make sure you get your ballot back early in a way that works best for you. So that could be by dropping it off with an official. That could be by taking it to a drop box in your state if they use those. Those are specific boxes that are only for ballots and run by election officials. Or that could be by mail and leaving enough time to mail it back to meet your state's deadline. You can go to aclu.org backslash voter and check out those dates in your state. And if you haven't already, make your plan today. Next, over to Mary Alice. Hi, my name is Mary Alice. I'm a member of ACLU. I used to live in New York, and now I live in Washington, D.C. The mail has changed completely in the last month. Things that are supposed to arrive are taking eight to 10 days longer. This is really very concerning as far as the election that's coming. And I need to know what will happen how will votes be counted and what will happen if I mail in my ballot? I'm 86 years old. I really don't want to go to the polls, but if I have to, I'm going to because I really don't want the vote not to be counted. Well, the good news is that between talking with Joyce and with Bobby, we should have confidence that our postal employees are ready for this election. But it's always a good idea to request and return your ballot as soon as possible. If you want to vote by mail, do it today if you haven't already. Thank you so much for submitting these questions. They've been pouring in. So we'll continue to answer some each week on the podcast. And we'll also be answering some over social media in the coming weeks. If you have a question you'd like to ask, call us and leave a message at 212 549 2558 or email podcast at aclu.org. Thanks so much to Bobby Hoffman and to Joyce Harris for joining us this week. Actually, I've got one more question for Bobby. Bobby, we're getting a lot of questions from listeners across the country who want to make sure that their mail-in ballot is counted and want to make sure that they're acting in time for their state's deadlines. And as you described, our our election system is very decentralized and laws and dates can vary from state to state. So I always say that voting by mail is kind of like the lesson in kindergarten. We all need to follow directions in order to make sure our ballot is counted. And where where can we send folks to get their questions answered? So the best place for folks to go is aclu.org backslash voter. That is the website for our Let People Vote campaign. Within that website, you're going to find information on deadlines for requesting absentee ballots, deadlines for submitting absentee ballots. You're going to find helpful information and tips for casting the ballot in your state and in your locality. So aclu.org backslash voter is the best place to start when considering casting your absentee ballot. And on a final note, 
Thank you, postal workers.